It's interesting, we're um, going to be talking a little bit more about Joseph today because we know so much about Mary. She's uh, not as much of a mystery to us, but um, Joseph, Joseph has something to say too. So uh, anyway, we're going to delve into that a little bit, but such a beautiful song. Thank you, Haley. If you all will please stand. I'll be reading from the book of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And all of this took place so as to fulfill what had been written by the prophet. Look. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and she named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, indeed, we do give you thanks for your holy word, for those people of old who have a message for us today. God, help us by your Holy Spirit to understand, not just with our minds, but with our hearts, who it is you call us to be, who it is you know we can be. For it's in the name of Christ our child savior that we pray. Amen. So by the time I'd reached Spanish 4 in high school, I knew everything I was supposed to know, right? Hardly. Anyway, I knew more than those people, the students in Spanish 1, right? We can agree on that. I knew a lot more than the kids, the youth in Spanish 1, and so did my classmates. And so our Spanish teacher, who had a great sense of humor, used to tell us that if someone in Spanish 1 asks someone in Spanish 4 a question, and we don't know the answer, we should make something up. She didn't want anybody in Spanish 1 thinking they could go through four years of Spanish and not know the answer to a question they might have. Make it up, she said. And maybe I did that a time or two. can't remember that part of the story. But anyway, we didn't want to be stumped by somebody who we should have known more than. Several years ago, I got stumped by a five-year-old right about this time of year. Now, by that time, I had had six or seven years of graduate education in theology I had had more than that if you count my undergrad work. I had had more theology if you count vacation Bible school throughout most of my life. 
Sunday school, youth groups, small groups, a Bible study in the dorm. I, I should know the answer to a five-year-old's question without a doubt. And so there we were in the church. I, I believe it was the nursery, and we were looking at one of those um, Fisher-Price nativity sets. And this little girl, she pointed at one of the people in the set, and she said, who's that? And I said, well, that's Joseph. I got that part right. That's Joseph. And she said, who's he? And I was stumped. Who is Joseph? What's his role in this nativity story? What part did he play in raising the Christ child? Who is Joseph? And I figured I should know the answer. I went through the Google in my mind. What can I say to this five-year-old? How can I explain who Joseph is, who he was? I mean, we get Mary, right? Song after song about Mary. Mary was pregnant after all. She's the mama. We get Mary. Now, she might be somewhat lofty. We, we perhaps don't understand exactly the miracle of conception with Mary, but, but we get her. We get her. But what about Joseph? And I went running through my mind, like I said, and I, and I thought, well, maybe Jesus, maybe Joseph is the earthly father of Jesus. Blank stare. Okay, let me try again. Maybe Joseph is the foster parent for Jesus. Maybe. Blank stare. So I pulled forth a, a title. I said, he, he's the stepfather of Jesus. That was understood. That's not an unfamiliar title. Joseph is the stepfather. And then she seemed fairly satisfied and we went on with our day. But, but it begs the question, right? Who is Joseph beyond what Jesus may or may not have called him? Who is Joseph beyond what we understand just from a few verses? Although I think in those few verses, we get a lot of information. Now, Joseph, we know from this text and from perhaps the one we read last week, Joseph is the connector, right? Joseph is that connection with the past. Joseph lets us know that Jesus is the fulfillment of not only the prophecies of the Messiah, but also the covenant that God had made with God's people way back to Abraham. God set Abraham and his descendants apart, and God said, I am going to bless this world through you, Abraham, that all may know me. You and your descendants will bless this world in my name so that my name will be great and so that others will know. So Joseph connects way, way back. And then a few thousand years forward, Joseph, we know, is connected to David, who we did read about last week in Isaiah. David, uh, Isaiah 11, from the stump of Jesse, that's David's father, from the stump of Jesse shall come forth new life. God's people had been cut down low. They'd gone in and out a favor based on their own sin. They had done things that were wrong in the sight of the Lord. They had been cut low, and at this point, they were in exile when the prophet spoke a message to them from this stump, from this seemingly dead plant shall come forth new life, shall come forth the shoot of Jesse, shall come forth David, and, and then another thousand years, and we get to Joseph today. 
At the beginning of Matthew, we have 17 verses full of 42 generations, as if to make the point. Matthew wants his people to know the audience to whom he writes then and now. Matthew wants us to know this connection. 42 generations from when God decided to bless this world through Abraham up into the birth of Christ. So here we are. We've got Joseph and he's this connection to the past. But I think in these words that we read today, I think that that is where we learn how Joseph affects the future, how Joseph's presence and how his life and how his example speaks not or spoke not only to Christ and to those around him in those days, but speaks to us. He gives us an example that we all can work towards. For Joseph has a significant role in this story. If you look at verse 19, Joseph Being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her, unwilling to expose Mary in public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her her quietly, and that's where we're going to hone in today. That's the example that Joseph gives the rest of us. Joseph is a righteous man. Joseph is in relationship to God through obedience to the law. Joseph obeys the law. He gets it, and he does his best to live into it. Joseph Joseph is a righteous man. And Joseph embodies the law, and Joseph tries to live into the law, and and so he lives by this righteousness. He understands what it means to be in God's good graces. He understands what it means to maintain covenants with God through obedience to the law. Joseph is a righteous man. And Joseph was unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace. Joseph is a righteous man, and Joseph is merciful. And that's what he speaks to us today. Joseph is a righteous man. He's going to do what is right in the, na- in, the, in the letter of the law. Joseph is a righteous man, obedient and trusting and committed. And yet, at the very same time, people of God, Joseph is merciful. And that's the connection to us. We are called into righteousness, not self-righteousness, right? Not self-righteousness, but we are called to be obedient. We are called to obey the law. We are called to live in to what it is God has said, how it is God has said we are to behave. Absolutely, no doubt, it's who we are. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we get it right sometimes. And yet, within that calling, within that that relationship of trust and commitment and obedience, we too are called to be merciful. And we don't always see those two traits going together, even among Christians, heaven forbid. We are called to be righteous obedient 
And we are called, for heaven's sake, to be merciful. To offer grace and compassion in any given situation. We are called to be righteous. We are called to be merciful. It was interesting, last week, the... um, Part of the prophecy of the uh, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 11 is that the one coming, the Messiah, shall not judge by eyes that hear, by eyes that see, or ears that hear. The prophet will not judge, the Messiah will not judge by eyes that see or ears that hear, but by the wisdom and understanding that is from within his heart, from his soul. And I think when we consider that Christ has fulfilled this prophecy, not judging solely with the ears, what the ears hear and the eyes see, but judging with the wisdom of his heart, that which comes from within, from his soul, I think Jesus saw it played out in Joseph, whatever his title was, whatever Jesus called him. I think Jesus saw an example of what it means not to be so black and white, so absolute, so this is the law, so be it. Obedience, sure, but what about mercy? And what about compassion? Jesus surely knew the story of his birth. Jesus surely knew that Joseph had every right to have Mary stoned to death. But he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Jesus surely knew that Joseph in his mercy and in his compassion not only saved Mary's life but saved his as well. Jesus saw what kind of man he was, not based on title, but based on how he responded to circumstances way beyond his control. And again, that calls us to act in a similar way. We are all faced with circumstances beyond our control, no doubt. The world is not as we want it to be. Our lives are not as we want them to be. Our families, our friends are not exactly as we want them to be. These circumstances are beyond our control, even those within our control. And what tells us who we are and what tells others who we are is how we respond to whatever is going on around us, to that which we can control, can't control either way. What tells people who we are is will we respond not only in obedience, but also with mercy. This is Joseph, fully human, calling us to be the same in our humanity. We can do justice, obey the law, and we can have mercy and be committed to the to the world, to grace, to that expression of of who God calls us to be. Surely Jesus saw that. I I think sometimes when Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees with the woman who'd been caught in adultery, remember that story? And the Pharisees were trying to trip Jesus up and they demanded justice. They demanded the right by the law. We need to stone this woman. What are you going to do, Jesus? And Jesus surely knew that capital punishment wasn't the answer. Jesus surely knew that his father on earth, foster parent, step parent, whatever, had opted for mercy. And so as he knelt in the ground, and, and we don't know what he wrote, but drew in the dust, he stood up and said, those without sin may cast the first stone. Boom, right? 
Jesus, I think, knew what it looked like to embody both law and mercy, to be obedient and compassionate. And I think he got it from Joseph. I think he saw it lived out. And it is how we are called to respond in our day as well. I, I just think, of course, Joseph is part of that Davidic line. Of course, Joseph is part of that fulfillment of prophecy. And yet, there is so much more to the man. So much more to what he has to speak to us again in the future, not just what he held in the past. And he calls us to live in that same way. Joseph, in the midst of all that, was obedient. And he trusted that God would provide a way even in the most difficult of circumstances. And as he responded to the situation at hand, he offered mercy and compassion not that Mary wasn't going to face consequences. I think sometimes when, when we talk about grace, people skip above or beyond the consequences at hand. She surely was going to have a difficult life, right? He was going to dismiss her quietly. That's a consequence to her perceived behavior. Perceived. She was going to have to face the music for what she may or may not have done. I mean, she was going to have to, to deal with her choices and the consequences thereof. But he would not condemn her. And he had mercy, even in the midst, again, of, of the unexplainable. And Jesus surely saw it. So he knew what it looked like. And now so do we. Years ago, I was a mean 13-year-old. I had a mouth on me. You wouldn't believe. Not, not, I had back talk at the drop of a hat. And there was one Saturday afternoon when my mom and I went at it. And I still remember. And, and, and it got heated and it got ugly. And finally, I just didn't know what else to say. And I said, I hate you, Mama. I just hate you. Surely nobody else has been that mean. But anyway, it was just one of those moments. And Mama was going to handle it, but Dad overheard which upped the ante a little bit. You know how you're going to go defend somebody else more than you might defend your dad? Dad walked into the kitchen and said to me, get a switch. I was raised in Georgia. <laughs> My kids have never been that mean. We've never had to spank them <laughs> anyway. Get a switch, Elizabeth. Go in the backyard and get a switch. I knew I had crossed the line. But I did as I was told. I knew that I was supposed So I went in the backyard. I, I got a switch. I came back around into the kitchen. And Dad said, uh-uh, get in the car, Elizabeth. Boy, it, it, it kept escalating, right? <laughs> My fear just rose. And get in the car, Elizabeth. And I still remember he had one of those brown Nissan sports cars anyway. Mom called it his midlife crisis. Get in the car, Elizabeth. And off we zoomed up the driveway, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, where is he going to take me? What is going to happen? I'm really going to get it now. He wants no witnesses. It's going to be bad. 
Five miles later, we were at Dad's office. Nobody's there. It's a Saturday. This is not going to be good for Elizabeth. Get out of the car, Elizabeth. Go into the office, Elizabeth. He turned on the lights. We were there in the lobby of, of his office, and he sat me on the sofa, and I had that switch in my hand the whole time, and he sat me on that sofa. And then he got down on his knees, all fours, and said, use it on me. I cannot stand to think that a child of mine would have hate in her heart. And so what I want you to do is use it till all the hate is gone. Because better for me that you get it out and take it out on me than that you live with hate steeping, dwelling within you. Get it out. And you know what I did? I burst into tears. Oh, Dad, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. I'm so sorry. Oh, it was just a scene. I can still see it. But I tell you what, I learned more from mercy that day than I did from judgment. And I learned more from compassion that day about how to live a life of love, about how to live a life in obedience, and yet a life that was merciful and compassionate. I learned far more from an act of mercy than I did from an act of judgment. It's Joseph. He gets it. He calls us to it. So be it. Amen. And let us pray. Gracious God, indeed, we do give you thanks for all the life lessons you put before us, most of all, Lord, that you do call us to obedience, and yet you expect us to act in mercy and with compassion. God, help us. Help us to receive that gift from you and help us to offer it to others, for it's in the name of the Christ child we pray. Amen. So we're going to have a little homework this week. School's not out yet. But my hunch is, if you're like me, there's somebody in your life who, quite frankly, deserves some judgment. They've done you wrong. They've done somebody you love wrong. They've done the masses wrong. Who knows? Quite frankly, I've got a long list for myself. But the homework is this. Have compassion. And be merciful. Because the more we practice... What we are called to biblically, the more faithful we become. And perhaps the more faithful this world will become. As we are transformed, may all those around us be transformed. Go in peace. Amen.